Part two, chapter eighteen of War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Prince Bagration, having ridden up to the highest point of our right flank, began to make the descent toward the spot where a continual rattle of musketry was heard, and nothing could be seen through the gunpowder smoke. The nearer they approached the valley, the less they could see what was going on, but the more evident it became that they were near an actual battlefield. They began to meet with wounded. One man, with bleeding head and without his cap, was being dragged along on the arms of two soldiers. He was gurgling and spitting. The bullet had apparently entered his mouth or throat. Another whom they met was stoutly marching off by himself, without his musket, groaning loudly and shaking his injured hand with the keenness of the smart, while the blood was slowly dripping down his capote. His face appeared more frightened than hurt. He had only just been wounded. Crossing the road, they rode down a steep incline, and on the slope they saw a number of men lying. Then they met a crowd of soldiers, none of whom were wounded. These soldiers were hurrying up the slope, breathing heavily, and in spite of the general's presence they were talking in loud voices and gesticulating. Farther forward in the smoke could now be seen the ranks of grey capotes, and an officer, recognizing Bagration, dashed after the retreating throng of men, shouting to them to return. Bagration rode up to the lines, along which, here and there could be heard the swift crackling of musket shots, suppressed remarks, and the shouts of command. The whole atmosphere was dense with gunpowder smoke. The faces of all the soldiers were blackened with powder and full of animation. Some were ramming the charge home, others putting powder in the pan, or taking wads from their pouches, still others were firing. But it was impossible to make out what they were aiming at through the dense cloud of smoke which hung in the motionless air. Quite often could be heard the pleasant sounds of buzzing and whistling bullets. "'What does this mean?' Prince Andrei asked himself, as he rode up to the throng of soldiers. "'It cannot be a charge, because they are not moving. It cannot be a square, for that is not the way they form.' The regimental commander, a rather spare, slender old man, with eyelids that more than half concealed his aged-looking eyes, giving him a benignant aspect, rode up toward Prince Bagration with a pleasant smile, and received him as a host receives a welcome guest. He explained to Prince Bagration that the French had made a cavalry charge against his regiment, but that, though the charge had been repelled, it had cost him half of his men. The regimental commander declared that the charge had been repulsed, meaning to express by this military term what had happened to his forces, but in reality he himself did not know what had taken place during the preceding half-hour, in the army entrusted to his command, and was unable to say with absolute certainty whether the charge had been repulsed, or whether his regiment had been worsted in the attack. At the beginning of the engagement he simply knew this, that along his whole line cannonballs and shells began to fly and to kill his men, that next someone had cried, The cavalry, and our men had begun to fire. And they had been firing till that time, not at the cavalry, which was out of sight, but at the French infantry, showing themselves in the valley and shooting down our men. Prince Bagration inclined his head, to signify that this was just as he had wished and anticipated. Turning to his adjutant, he ordered him to bring down from the hill the two battalions of the sixth Jaegers, by which they had just been riding. At this moment Prince Andrei was struck by the change which had taken place in Bagration's face. It expressed that concentrated and joyful resolution 
such as is shown by a man ready on a hot day to leap into the water, and who is taking the final run. That impression of dullness and lethargy, covering a pretense of deep thoughts, had vanished away. His hawk's eyes, round and determined, looked straight ahead with an enthusiastic and rather contemptuous expression, and wandered restlessly from one object to another, although his motions were as slow and deliberate as before. The regimental commander turned to Prince Bagration and begged him to retire to the rear, on the ground that it was very perilous where they were. "'Please, your illustriousness, for God's sake,' said he, looking for confirmation to the attaché who was turning away from him. "'Be kind enough to notice.' He called his attention to the bullets which were constantly whizzing, singing, and whistling around them. He spoke in a questioning, reproachful tone, such as a joiner might use to a gentleman trying to use an axe. This is our work, and we're used to it. But you will callous your dainty hands. He spoke as though there were no possibility of these bullets killing him, and his half-closed eyes gave his words a still more persuasive effect. The staff officer joined his entreaties to those of the regimental commander, but Prince Bagration did not deign to answer him, but merely gave his orders to have the men cease firing and to open the ranks so as to give room for the two battalions that were on their way to join them. Just as he issued his command, a breeze springing up lifted the canopy of smoke which covered the valley. It was as though an invisible hand stretched across the sky from right to left, and the opposite height, with the French marching down, was brought into full view. All eyes were involuntarily fixed upon this column of the enemy, moving toward us, and winding like a serpent down the escarpment of the hill. Already the soldiers' bearskin shakos could be seen. Already the officers could be distinguished from the ranks, and their banner as it clung around the staff. "'They march superbly,' said someone in Bagration's suite. The head of the column was now just entering the valley. The collision would necessarily take place on this side of the ravine. The remains of the regiment that had been in the action before hastily reformed and went toward the right. Behind them, driving in the stragglers, came the two battalions of the Sixth Jaegers, in good order. They had not yet reached the position where Bagration was, but their heavy, measured step could be heard as the whole body kept perfect time. On the left wing, nearest of all to Bagration, marched the company commander. A round-faced, stately man, with a stupid, happy expression of face, he was the very man who had been in Titian's hut. It was evident that his only thought at this moment was that he was marching bravely past his superiors. With the self-satisfaction of one attracting notice, he marched by lightly on his muscular legs. He almost seemed to fly, without the slightest effort keeping his back straight and distinguishing himself by his grace from the heavy march of the men who pressed on after him. He carried down by his side a slender, delicate sword, unsheathed, a sort of curving scimitar, not like a weapon, and looking now at the commander, now back at his men, not once losing step, he gallantly hastened on with all the energy of his gigantic frame. It seemed as though all the strength of his mind were directed toward going past his commander in the best possible form. Being conscious that he was doing this, he was happy. Left, left, left. It seemed as if he said this inwardly at every step, and taking the same time, the wall of soldiers marched by with heavy knapsacks and equipment, as though each one of these hundreds of different soldiers, with their grave faces, said to themselves in thought, Left, left, left. A stout major, 
puffing and losing step as he had to turn out of his way for a bush, a straggler, gasping for breath, his face expressing terror at his neglect, came at the double quick to overtake his company. A cannonball condensing the air before it flew over the heads of Bagration and his suite, and accenting the beat, left, left, plunged through the column. Close up ranks, ran the intrepid voice of the company commander. The soldiers made a bend around the place where the shot had made a gap, and old cavalryman, a non-commissioned officer who had remained behind to care for the wounded, regained the ranks, with a hop and a skip fell into step, and looked around sternly. Left, 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 seemed to resound from the threatening silence and from the monotonous tramping of feet beating simultaneously on the ground. Brave fellows, boys, said Prince Bagration. Glad, dad, dad, ran the reply down the line. A morose-looking soldier, as he passed to the left, shouting at the top of his voice, turned his eyes on Bagration, his expression seeming to say, "'You yourself know,' and another, not looking up, and evidently afraid of having his attention distracted, with wide open mouth, shouted and went by. The command was given to halt and unstrap knapsacks. Bagration rode up to the ranks that had just marched past him and got down from his horse. He gave the bridle to a Cossack, took off his burqa and handed it to him, stretched his legs, adjusted his leather cap on his head. The head of the French column, with officers at the front, now appeared at the foot of the hill. "'Es Bogum, God be with you,' shouted Bagration, in a firm, loud, ringing voice, and instantly taking the lead and lightly waving his arm, he led them himself, with the awkward and apparently laborious gait of a cavalryman, across the first half of the field. Prince Andre felt as though some irresistible impulse dragged him forward, and he experienced a great sense of happiness. Already the French were near at hand. Already Prince Andre, rushing on side by side with Bagration, saw the belts, the red epaulets, even the faces of the French. He clearly distinguished one elderly French officer, who, with feet turned out and wearing gaiters, was struggling up the hill. Prince Bagration gave no new orders, and marched on in silence at the head of his forces. Suddenly from among the French rang out one discharge, then a second, a third, and along the whole extent of the enemy's lines spread smoke and the rattle of musketry. A few of our men fell. In the number, that round-faced officer who had marched so gallantly, and in such good form. But at the very instant that that first discharge had taken place, Bagration turned round and shouted, Hurrah! Hurrah! Rah! Rah! rang in a protracted yell down our line, and outstripping Bagration and each other, in a broken but joyous and animated line, our men dashed down the slope after the enemy who had given way. End of chapter 18